Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Live from Digital Address, GA0993341, a happy new year to you. And with that all-time favorite quote from the book of Philippians chapter 4 and the verse 8, I welcome you to 2019 and the first matriculation of Springboard, your virtual university. It's a beautiful Sunday evening. My name is Albert Okran, and Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition, Joy 99.7 FM. We are proudly supported on the print media front by the graphic business. Thank you for joining us on Joy 99.7 FM, and we are streaming live on Facebook, Albert N.E. Okran, Comfort Okran A, and of course, Joy 99.7 FM. This year, the virtual university is going to a whole new level with different program segments that will really, really take our learning experience to another level. And so we would have what we call the African Excellence Series. And so on the first Sunday of every month, we bring in an achiever in a particular field for a conversation that focuses on one simple question. How do we become outstanding in a continent with so much potential and yet so many limitations? In the second Sunday of every month, we will have a thematic discussion about the digital revolution and how technology is changing the way we live and the way we work. The third Sunday of every month will be a debate, and you want to look forward to those debates. Very, very exciting. And the final Sunday of every month will have a motivational presentation. This is the outline of our programming for the year 2019. We'll give you more details next week about what you expect every single week on your virtual university. But tonight, we want to take start our African Excellence Series. And our very first guest is a well-traveled business executive, a man who we truly appreciate here on your virtual university. Sangudel is the CEO of Golden Palm Investments, and he is celebrated across the world for his work and, of course, for his thoughts. And I know he will challenge somebody tonight. Sangu, welcome to Springboard. Thank you so much for having me. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Right, right, right. So the last time you were on any of our platforms was the Festival of Ideas. Was it the 2014 edition? Yes. And so I was checking out the 14, the top 14 lessons from that Festival of Ideas and some of the thoughts that you shared. Before I come to that, maybe let me just say a Happy New Year to you and ask how 2018 was for you. 2018 was um, was an interesting year. Um, we were, first of all, grateful to God that we saw 2019. Yeah. You know, before we even 
reflect on 2018, we are, we thank God that we made it into 2019. I think it's important sometimes for us to reflect and be grateful on those basic things like waking up alive. Always. <laughs> but 2018 was quite an interesting year in that um, I, at the end of 2017, I had written a, a letter to my investors where I shared some deep concerns I had with um, both what I consider to be significant risks going forward in the global economy. Um, and I also highlighted that um, in the Ghanaian economy in particular, I felt that the initial strategy of lowering taxes coupled with an expansionist fiscal policy, the two simply cannot balance out. So I expected either we are going to have a reversal on the tax side or a cutback on the fiscal expansion. Um, and of course, we ended up seeing that. Um, also, given some of the things happening in the global markets, the strengthening of the U.S. dollar, um, the, the trade wars that have ensued, um, I continue to have deep concerns, and I continue to have these deep concerns about the global economy going forward. Right. Let me take you back four years ago to what you said at the Festival of Ideas, because it was almost, if I may say so, prophetic. Let me show you three of the top points that you shared at the Festival of Ideas. And the first one was for companies in a turbulent Ghanaian market to cons con consider recapitalization, strategic equity investment, pan-African diversification, among others. And you stressed the fact at the time that owning 10% of a vibrant business is far better than 100% of a shaky business. And you underscore the fact that Mark Zuckerberg owned only 30%, or 22% of Facebook at the time, and was worth $33 billion at the time. But your point mainly was the fact that owning a share in a strong entity was far better than owning all of a small or a, a fragile entity. And some of the developments that have come up, especially concerning recapitalization, seem to buttress that point. Uh, let me just quickly share the two other points, and I'll give you the chance to react to them. The second one was about the need for a financial and structural overhaul of the economy. Guess what? You talked about the fact that we should cut taxes and expand the tax net. And you cited Egypt that took a bold step against the advice of the IMF to reduce taxes to 10% and 20% and tax revenue rose by 50%. Your third point then was that Ghanaian businesses must go on the offensive rather than on the, remain on, on the defensive and they should go looking for new opportunities rather than retreat. With the benefit of hindsight, four years after, what do you think about these points that you raised? The points I... I it's, it's interesting hearing them back. I actually forgot the exact ones I said in 2014. But, you know, these are um, themes that I think still hold true today. It's, it's, I wish a lot of businesses had gone ahead and done those things. Um, it's obviously been very sad that um, if we look at the banking sector, for example, that we've lost um, uh, many of the indigenous banks. Um, of course, it's important to contextualize that. It's not that the Bank of Ghana just came out of nowhere and suddenly said, um, let's raise equity. Basel 3, which is the uh, Basel Committee on Banking Supervision, which 
established Basel III in response to the financial crisis of 2007 to 2009. They came up with some rules to say that how do we strengthen regulation, how do we increase supervision and increase risk management to safeguard against another financial crisis like we saw from 2007 to 2009. Okay. And so the Basel III rules, which actually they kept postponing them, but they are coming into effect March 2019. It requires um, tighter capital requirements. So the minimum tier one capital, tier one capital is basically, you can think of it as equity. That used to be 4%, is now increasing to 6%. It requires um, some counter-cyclical measures. So for some of the bigger banks that can pose systemic risk, you have higher requirements. And it also requires to safeguard against excessive borrowings, which basically means that it, it caps the leverage ratio at about 3%. So that's kind of the context behind which is operating. Of course, there are lots of debates about how it was implemented and could there have been a better way in which we went about doing this to ensure the viability of the banks and so on and so forth. But at least this is the regulatory framework with which the bank is op the Bank of Ghana was operating. It didn't just come out of anywhere. Um, I think broadly speaking also, if you look at what has transpired, most of the businesses that have done really well are the ones who've been able to achieve that diversification and have been the ones that have also readied themselves for some of those concerns I mentioned. I mentioned at, at that festival, actually, the depreciation. Right. And how it was really important to protect oneself against that depreciation as a business. Right. So let me bring you back now into the present. Actually, we'll just give you some context about our last interaction. But, hey, these points, as you rightly said, remain valid even today. The, the, the whole idea about the African Excellence Series is to say that we must continually have conversations about how to be excellent in this continent. And the more we talk about something, and the more we talk about the how-tos, the more possible it comes to see many more sangudelis, many more people rise up and challenge the status quo and build entities that can be celebrated across the globe. So let's start from the individual up front. What do you think the individual, the average individual listening to us this evening can do to achieve excellence in a year like 2019? Right. So... As a, from an individual perspective, I'll share, um, I mean, if we're still talking about financial, from the financial perspective, what I have done myself has been to ensure that I approach a conservative, um, uh, a con I, I basically manage my portfolio conservatively. What do I mean by that? My expectation is, given the issues we're having already with the, the global trade wars, the um, we've had an expansion in the U.S. economy since 2000, since the aftermath of the global financial crisis. I'm expecting that we might have a slowdown, a bear market, if not a global economic recession over the next 24 months. So it means you have to prepare ahead of that, which means that you want to, as much as possible, stockpile cash, reduce debt, and make sure that you create as much financial flexibility for yourself because in a world where we have another slowdown there's going to be a tightening up of the credit markets which effectively means it will be harder to borrow so you really want to make sure that as an individual you are um, protecting yourself by ensuring that you have you save as much cash as possible and you reduce any exposure to debt and as much as possible you limit what you need to borrow 
this is the time for people to actually, I believe, be financially conservative. Okay, so you're saying that um, if there is an option of deferring any personal um, non-mission non critical expenditure that will require you borrowing, defer it as much as possible and, and keep cash within reach. Cash is king. Right. So that would be your advice to everyone listening out there. If you are, if you are considering, for instance, using debt or leverage to buy a car and you can defer that briefly and hold on to the the 50% of the car that you have in cash, you will recommend that? Yes. I mean, my recommendation is, of course, I'm not saying people should have zero debt. There's some debts that would make sense if someone is going to, you know, take a mortgage or to acquire certain things. But you have to, you have to run stress scenarios for yourself. So the same way the Bank of Ghana will run stress tests for the banks to say what happens if, or if you're applying for a loan, some of these banks will say, what happens if there's a 20% drop in revenues and there's a 20% jump in cost? What happens to your business, the viability of your business? You also need to do that to yourself personally. You need to ask yourself the question, what happens if I lose my job? Or what happens if there's this shortfall in revenue? What happens if you have to stress test your personal finances and know what would you do and how would you operate under those circumstances? Talking about job losses, um, we've been, in the past couple of years, in fact, in the, in the past year, sorry, um, serializing the World Economic Forum report on this platform, particularly the fact that as we head into the year 2020, the dynamics of employment will change significantly, driven largely by technology and then also by business process reengineering. And that would lead to job losses and changes in the employment mix with some institutions deferring more to technology than to people and so on. We've seen a bit of it in the past year, driven not by those factors, but by other factors. But it still remains an issue that if the predictions of that report are anything to go by, um, job security over the next 24 months will be threatened in some industries and in some instances. So that seems to support the point that you make that it is possible that many more organizations may drop, uh, may, may shed stuff. Yes, I think the threat from technology is probably a bit more longer term. Um, some reports are saying that as much as 40 to 50% of existing jobs may be a threat due to automation and due to artificial intelligence and machine learning. And so... Um, in addition to that, more on the shorter term, you have, look, globally telecommunication companies, which is the telcos are obviously a, a, a major employer in our country. Um, their voice revenues are under threat right, because of the likes of instead of someone calling Reverend Okran on their phone, they are calling you on WhatsApp. Right? And so you're seeing some challenges among the global companies, among the telco companies globally. Um, in addition, of course, with this um, Basel three coming into effect, you've also seen greater consolidation um, among banks globally. And so some of the sectors that uh, um, traditionally used to be major employers, you might see some 
some negative outlooks there. However, there's also opportunity because on the flip side, you are seeing great opportunity among technology. So technology is going to disrupt certain jobs, but it's also going to create huge opportunities in other sectors. Um, you are seeing among, if you look around for software developers, for example, one of our portfolio companies, Andela, has done extremely well because they realize that there are simply not enough software developers in Silicon Valley to meet demand. So they've been training software developers here on the continent, in Nigeria, in Kenya, in Uganda, and other places, to get them to work remotely. So now you have a situation where a software developer sitting in Lagos, who's at Andela, might be doing work for Microsoft sitting in Lagos, right? And this obviously is a much higher level, higher paying um, job than what is would be disrupted from some of the other things. And so there's a balance in here, and there's an opportunity for people to be excellent by adapting to this changing economy. You, you describe a tale of two cities. Opportunity on one side and risk on the other. And what you seem to be describing is a situation where the individual that understands what is going on and can position themselves, and by extension, companies and businesses will ride the storm and rather see, um, experience advantage in a time like this while some are being disrupted. Let me go a bit personal and ask you whether your experience in war-torn countries, your your exposure to different cultures has influenced the way you think. You have a certain way of... It was called a slide rule. You just put a slide rule there and say, well... If you do this, you fall on this side. If you do this, you fall on this side. Th that kind of thinking, has, has it been influenced by your exposure, your, your, your past? Yes, I, 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 it absolutely has. I think that having a globalized perspective gives you nuance. It allows you to see the world from different perspectives. And, so, and it doesn't necessarily mean that one has to travel all over the world. You can have, you can globalize your perspective without necessarily traveling. It's called localization. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but something as simple as the news. Right. It's quite interesting. You can take the same topic and I usually, I'll read our local news, I'll read what's going on on CNN and BBC, I'll also read Al Jazeera and I read the Chinese news, the Russian news, because I want to understand how are these different countries and different parts of the world perceiving these same issues? How is their news different? What are they seeing differently? And how does that shed light on looking at things differently? And it's the same with, there's a lot of research that shows that diverse teams and diverse companies outperform non-diverse ones. There's a power in diversity. And it's important for all of us to ensure that among our groups, if you are hanging out with people who are the same and who think the same, you're only going to have one way of looking at the world. But if you, if you mix with different people, if you have diverse friends and you interact with people who are not like you, you get different perspectives about the world. And it, it really shapes and enhances and is, is really fruitful. It is 25 minutes past the hour of 7. And if you just joined us, I, I typically should have played the breaking news, the breaking news um, jingle before making this announcement. And what, what, which announcement is that I'm on the hunt this year, 2019, for big ideas that can change the world. 
and can change your world first, change your business, and change our nation and the world at large. And Sangu just dropped one. He says, diverse companies outperform non-diverse ones, if I may use that word. And so, if your circle of friends are all the same and think alike, you will end up narrowing your perspective and your ability to make a difference. And so, include in your circle, your immediate circle, people who have with a different way of doing things, and it would increase the possibility of making a greater impact. If you were listening, you heard this at 7.25 on Springboard, your virtual university. And so this, we call tonight the African Excellence Series because when we just explore in this continent with all our limitations, how can one be excellent? Sangu, I'm trying to pinpoint how the Ghanaian, the average Ghanaian thinks vis-a-vis how things are done in other cultures. Let me give you an example from personal observation. You go into a, a function, a social event with with Ghanaian friends, and typically, if Sangu, you are my friend, and we went together, Sangu and Albert will sit and talk throughout the event and come home, not having expanded their social network. But I know of other cultures that the moment they arrive at the function, they say, Sangu, I'll see you at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> because making those new friends is a critical part of their end. It doesn't matter whether the person is on the high table or the highest table. The person walks straight to the high table and greets the person, introduces themselves, and, and they are there to expand their network. It's not a very Ghanaian thing. That's my own observation. But yes. let me find out from you. What What is your biggest observation um, mixing up with people from different cultures? Uh, what is your biggest observation about how differently we do things um, here in Ghana? I think the, it's important for us to really promote this idea of networking. Right. And it doesn't, you know, for some people, they, they think about networking negatively, as if, you know, someone wants to come and get something out of me, or as if you, you know, I think of networking differently as in, in anthropology, there's the idea of, in anthropology and sociology, there's the idea of everyone has different types of capital. There's financial capital, which is money in your pocket. And, but there are other forms of capital that's not money. There's social capital, which is your network. Right. The some, people some you know. Relational equity. Exactly. Right. And sometimes you'll be surprised that that social capital can do something that will have more value than the financial capital. Right. Then, of course, there's cultural capital, which is your knowledge and ability to understand certain things. That would give you currency in certain situations. It's really important for us to try and promote this networking. The um, uh, case in point, the, um, the Harvard Club of Ghana, this Wednesday, is having, it's, it's having a global networking night. And it's, it's, it's institutionalized. Harvard has a global networking night this Wednesday in every city in the world. So all the alums will all show up. So all the, we have about 200 Harvard alumni living in Accra. Everyone will show up to um, Urban Grill at 6 p.m. Some of them may have not met the others, but it's now an opportunity for them to see one another, connect with one another. Um, and that's when one person working in this place might see another person who's doing something else that can then add value to them. So we need to institutionalize those sorts of things among 
um, our different groups, associations. We just need to promote networking and see how can you support one another and what they are doing. Every time I had this uh, mentor of mine who, it was interesting, every time he meets someone, the first thing he wants to know is not outside needing money, is there any way in which he can help you? Specifically, he'll say, is there anybody I know or in my network that I can introduce to you who can be helpful to you? Wow. And it's, it's, it's quite powerful because you think about that over time, he's able to then connect people where it might not be money, but maybe you are working on a business and what you really need is certain advice or you might need legal advice and someone might connect you to a friend who's a lawyer or you might need some strategic advice and they might connect you to a friend who's a consultant so it's really about figuring out how can we mine and use our social capital and how can we grow that social capital which is why when we were young my mom always used to say you are as strong as your weakest link right right so she said it's not just about and my mom also used to say my mom told me that if you are the if you continue to be the smartest person in the room, then you are losing. Right. You want to make sure that you are surrounding yourself by people who are actually smarter than you, so that you are also learning from them. Right. It's thirty minutes past the hour of seven o'clock, and one of the benefits I have is that I'm, I have listeners who are far smarter than me. So as you listen, I enrich my life because I'm interacting with you, and I'm going to open the phone line so that you can also share your your perspective on the year 2019 and what it takes to be excellent in our continent of Africa. My guest for tonight, Sangudeli, he's a well-traveled business executive and he's, a, he's the CEO of Golden Palm Investments. He has different interests, and we'll probably touch on some of them as we go along. But when I come back from this break, we'll be talking about our theme for the year, the digital revolution, how to optimize opportunities in a rapidly changing world. How relevant is that theme? How can this theme drive our discourse on this platform? But the song I would like to play for you is by my friend Calvis Hammond featuring Koda and the song is Iradi. I'm going to play for you and when I come back, let's talk about 2019, our theme for the year, digital revolution, and how you by the power of technology can move yourself to another level. This is Springboard, your virtual university. Please don't go away. Come on, shoot your hands up. Joy 99.7 FM. He 
Sharon Lecter, co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the Rich Dad series. Remember to keep listening to Springboard Your Virtual University with Albert Okron. It's going to help you put your financial house in order and create financial freedom for yourself and your families. It's 24 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock, and this is Springboard of Virtual University. My name is Albert Okran, and I'm here on uh, on behalf of the Virtual Academic Board, chaired by Comfort, with support from Matthew, Priscilla, Emmanuel, Amos, and Jojo. And our topic for tonight, well, tonight we are starting our African Excellence Series, and my guest for tonight is Sangu Dele. We are breaking down... What it takes to provide, uh, to build opportunity in a continent that also has so much limitations and yet so much potential. But I'm going to settle down very shortly on our big question that we would like you to answer when I open the phone lines. But if you just joined us for your benefit, Sangu's prescription for individual success in 2019 is to take it easy on your personal financial investment, develop a conservative portfolio. He's saying that um, keep liquid capital. That means keep it in, in, in liquid form, cash and easily convertible um, assets. Reduce your personal debt significantly and maintain financial flexibility. As a friend of mine says, when they change, they need to change. <laughs> he says cash is king. So that is the personal prescription for you. Don't go into any unwarranted, ambitious personal debts and then threaten yourself. He says... Considering factors on the global front, the strengthening of the American economy and other factors, the trade wars and so on, there is a possibility for a continuous slowdown on the global front. And that would, of course, have local implications. He talks about the fact that job security is will continue to be threatened in some instances. And that is something that we should also be looking out for. Now, on the personal front, he also says that diversifying your linkages and on the corporate front diversified companies tend to outperform non-diversified ones so both on the individual front and on the corporate front mix it mix it up so surround yourself with people who think differently from you so that they can bring different perspectives on board and strengthen your ideas your concepts and then also your execution but we are back and i want to talk about our theme for the year 2019 here on Springboard, your virtual university on the roadshow and eventually on the Festival of Ideas, we'll be expressing this theme in various ways. But our main focus in 2019 is simple. We're talking about the digital revolution, how to optimize your opportunities in a rapidly digitalizing world. And in our debates and in our thematic discussions, you will find out how much technology has changed the way we live and work. We can't pretend it's not like it used to be. And it's going to get even more complex, even more interesting. And the earlier you get in the group and run with it, the better. How do you optimize your opportunities in a world like this? Sangu, let me come to you and ask how critical or how relevant is this discussion? It's 
I believe it's probably one of the most important discussions any business can have. In fact, I'll go on record and say that any business that does not have a clear strategy for the digital revolution will become obsolete. And you've seen this over and over again, where new entrants into the markets that are leveraging new digital technologies are actually able to disrupt existing powerful companies. I mean, BlackBerry used to be king in their category of the smartphone market. And when they didn't pay attention to the competitive threats, we saw what happened to them and how they lost the vast majority of their market share and their market value. And I, I want to give you, I'll, I'll use a, a case study. Take uh, um, um, our, our portfolio healthcare company, take Rabito Clinic, okay? And I'll show you two interesting things we've done with Rabito to confront um, um, the, the digital transformation that's going on. So the first was we partnered with a startup, a digital startup here in Ghana, um, that's also a, a GPI portfolio company called M Pharma. And what M-Pharma does, which is incredible, is it brings together the clinics, the hospitals, all these different um, parts of the supply chain, and it uses this technology to reduce the cost of drugs. So that's great for you, for us in Rabito, because we're now able to not only enjoy a reduction in the price, but we can pass on that reduction also to the patient. So one way in which you're you are taking this startup, M-Pharma, and it's fantastic solution, digital solution for a healthcare facility to be able to reduce it. And they're doing this for pharmacies, for hospitals, really extraordinary. But then we went beyond that and said, look, um, given rapid urbanization and our traffic and all this situation, our goal is to bring healthcare to everyone when they need it. But what happens now is with, with the rapid growth of of Accra and its peripheries, it's very difficult for you to actually reach all the corners of people or to reach people at the times that you need them. So we launched eHealth Ghana, which is our telemedicine platform. And we did it in an innovative way that says, you can now, anywhere you are, from the comfort of your home, from the comfort of your office, you can virtually consult with our doctors. We have general doctors, dermatologists, pediatricians. We even have mental health counselors. Um, and so you consult with a doctor. The doctor talks to you and says, look, I think I need, I'll bet I think I need to do one, two, three tests. What do you do now? We have actually labs on bikes. We, we send a lab guy to your office to draw your blood, get your tests. You get an SMS notification. And then we'll be able to e-prescribe you to say, okay, I'll bet you have a little bit of an infection you need amoxicillin. We then send the pharmacy on a bike to bring you your medication. So this, uh, uh, you know, there's there's the app that's available in both um, Android um, and and on the Apple ecosystem. So this is one clear way in which you take a simple healthcare business like Rabito that's traditionally brick and mortar, but we said how can we leverage smartphones, leverage these digital technologies to create an e-health solution and that this e-health Ghana product we've released. I'll tell you one thing. The five areas that the digital, trans um, digital revolution is transforming businesses, and there could be more, but in most instances, it is five things. One, increased speed. So 
the, the, the time span, the, the time that is spent delivering a service is reduced. So it's either reduction in cycle time or increased speed of service delivery. The second one is reduced cost. In most instances, technology helps to reduce the cost of delivering the service. The third one is expanded reach. That means that where previously you can serve only one person at a time or a few people at a time by the power of technology, several people can leverage the same platform and so there is expanded reach. The fourth one is enhanced flexibility so that you can, in the comfort of your office, get this person on the motorbike coming to serve you and other things that you had to do um, physically by going to a place can now be done on your phone in the comfort of your office etc etc and ultimately it gives you an improved experience and this is why we can't ignore this digital revolution it's going to run through our discussions the whole year we're going to take time and bring different industries experiences on board and show that it is so much more a part of our lives than we've ever thought but as i open the phone lines today Sangu, my big question my big question i was listening to a show my my favorite a super morning show and my friend Daniel Dazi was talking about achievers on the continent, and he mentioned he mentioned two examples that were from Nigeria. So he mentioned how do we get more Dangotis and more Tony Elumelus? And then I sent Daniel a text and said, "Can we have more Ghanaian examples, <laughs> more Ghanaian stories that we celebrate?" Good evening, Daniel. You remember that discussion? Well, I'm back to it. So tonight, as I open the phone lines in our African Excellence series, my question to the public, starting with you, Sangu, and then to Comfort, how do we get more Ghanaian achievers? How do we raise many more Ghanaian success stories that we can celebrate across the world? It would be beautiful if somebody's writing a book and wants 10 examples to be able to find them in Ghana without going anywhere. So, Sangu, I'll give you a minute to speak to that, and then I'm going to open the phone lines. Sure. How do we get more Ghanaian success stories to yeah. celebrate? It's, it's very important, um, Albert. It's a really important issue. It starts with we need to celebrate and support our own. Okay, every time I go to Nigeria, one of the things that no matter what I'm so impressed about in Nigeria is they support their own. They really figure out how do we create Nigerian champions, whether it's Nigerian music, whether it's um, the Nigerian film industry, whatever it is, the Nigerians, they support their own. We need more of that in Ghana. You know, when one of the things I was, I was most grateful about when we first started um, um, the Harvard Club of Ghana was to have the strong support of some of the older folks, Uncle Nick Amatefio, Kelly Kajekpo, who came in and said, we want to support the younger ones. We need more of that. Ashesi, in Ghana, we have Ashesi University, which I'm so proud of. We speak about this is a world-class institution. Isn't it disgraceful that we are in Ghana and we don't even have the road to Ashesi has been paved? So what are we talking about? We really need to make sure that we come out and say, where well, we have examples of global excellence that's Ghanaian, like Ashesi University. Let us do everything we can as a country to support it. Right. So you think we must do, we must do much more of we must do believing much in, more. celebrating, and supporting our own. Let me, let, me, let me get the perspective of the registrar, and I'm going to open the phone lines. Comfort. From where you sit, you interact with many people who are 
desiring to be excellent. You you mentor several young people trying to live out their dreams. How do we raise many more Ghanaian success stories as we kickstart the year 2019? From your perspective as the the chairperson of the virtual academic board. <laughs> Good evening and Happy New Year, our lovely listeners. Um, it's great to have these African series and I'm very grateful, very glad that we are having the opportunity to discuss um, ways in which we can bring about the growth and um, hopefully the the prolification of having people who are doing well on our continent. Well, um, um, I share Sangu's um, thoughts because... It happens that when you have a tree and the tree is in the is on the plane alone, the forces of nature that come against that tree, the tree may have all the wherewithal that I will stand strong. But because it is there alone, it's unable to stand against certain forces. So in the end it falls. However, if we have Different, different trees, different uh, species, different sizes, and so on and so forth. And they come together. They become a forest. Mm. And therefore, when you have vagaries of life coming against it, against them, they come together to, to, to resist that kind of thing. I mean, I recently listened to a podcast about the future of everything. The person was telling, the person was talking about how trees have their own communication system. Mm. So in the same way, if we do have, um, we, we, we've done spring for about 10 years, 20, I mean, getting to so many years. And one of, one of, one of the in, initial thoughts that I did have, and which I still believe in, is the fact that every year as we go along, we, 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 we light pockets of, of, of fire in different places. And therefore, as those fires grow on their own, they cannot do it, but they need the support of what we will call an ecosystem. Therefore, we need to grow that ecosystem deliberately. The thing would not happen by itself. We need to deliberately grow, groom such people. We need to, to, to nurture. We need to ensure that as they, as, 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 as they are finding the difficulties, when things go wrong, we find ways of opening up spaces for them, and then they, they'll be able to, 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 to make it. Zero three zero two two one six five four one, and that's the discussion we want to have. We've had a perspective of comfort and sangu. How do we raise more Ghanaian champions? How do we ensure that in the next decade we will have so many stories that we won't want, want to write about them? We have to select because there are so many and we can't even choose. The number to call zero three zero two two one six five four one. African Excellence Series. How do we raise more Ghanaian champions in law, in medicine, in business, in finance, in every area of endeavor? How do we create a glut of achievers? Glut, I like that. Albert <laughs> Kukwating, you are calling from Takradi. Good evening and welcome to your virtual university. Good evening, Reverend Albert. I'm good for Charlie, as as they say in in preaching English, you do all call it all the way from Tidy. Tell tell us your thoughts, Reverend. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying the show, and uh, it's a it's a very powerful uh, program that uh, you have brought to us, especially with me from my background as a pastor. Um, a lot of us have have neglected the um, the essence of technology, 
in how we can incorporate into uh, church activities and church growth. And uh, I wish that uh, in subsequent uh, engagement, we could also have a, a, a personnel like Sengu who could speak as to how such up and coming of us can use technology to ensure or to uh, enhance the growth of church because uh, we believe that wisdom will always come from that angle. And um, if the corporate world will... will also, I, can, world. I can give you an assurance. Week 3 of this year, wherever you are, week 3 of January 2019, don't miss mm. that show. It will, it will speak to the issue you are talking about. But thank you for calling. Let me go to Jonas from Kakasunanka. Jonas, good evening. Yeah, hello. Good evening, Jonas. Yeah, good evening. We are on a hunt for many African success stories. How do we achieve it? Well, Albert, let me say Happy New Year to both of you, yourself and uh, Comfort. And uh, yes, I, I think that I, I, I agree with your panelists. They've mentioned strong support. But I, 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 I would like that we also look at deliberateness in getting to raise many success stories in Africa. Deliberateness. I think that that's critical so that you will put in place a very systemic way of getting things done. And that's where you're so sure that, you know, whoever comes out. And in this particular direction, let me say that Springboard is a super springboard for raising such success stories as well. And that's why, Albert, this evening, I want to encourage all the companies out there, starting from this very day, please bring in your sponsorships and what have you, so that that young boy at Nadoli would be able to get a chance to be a springboard and his life, you know, his success story can also be celebrated. So that deliberateness which springboard is spearheading should actually be supported. Jonas, I want to deliberately say a big thank you to you and to say you do all. It's <laughs> a privilege. All right. Thank you very much. So the number to call zero three zero two two one six five four one. Let me take one more call and then I'm gonna come back into the studio. So well let me just come back in and um Sangu, so the theme of support has come up but Jonas reiterates a point that comfort made and that is a point about deliberateness. It is obvious that we can't create that new Ghana, that new Africa that we seek um accidentally. Um the key should be a deliberate effort. Uh, let me tie that to the example of an African country close to us where there was a deliberate effort to strengthen a number of their institutions on one condition that they take over the West African continent, the West African sub-region. So each of the companies that was supported were required to show a program where they will plant their branches first in Ghana, I don't know what about Ghana attracts people so much, but Ghana first, and then from Ghana to other African countries. And guess what? They all did. Yeah. Because the program was very deliberate, and they achieved their goal. How, how big is this issue of deliberateness? To wrap up. Um, first, I want to quickly say something about the, 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 the listener who mentioned something about the Bible. I love it because it's the Bible, Genesis 41, 29 to 30, tells us seven years of good harvest, seven years of famine, which is exactly what we are talking about. Right. In the good times, prepare for bad times. Right. And Proverbs 22, 7 tells us that a borrower will be a slave to the lender. Right. So, so, so these, these two scriptures back the point that you made. They back the point right. now. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 this one, work with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. But on the point of deliberateness, right. I think that we are spot on. Yeah. In fact, 
a country that I've been amazed by, that I every time I go there, I'm just amazed at what they are doing, is Rwanda. Everybody talks about Rwanda. I mean, th- th- there is a clear sense of what they want to achieve. You go to Rwanda, there's no rubbish on the ground. And it's not because um, the average Rwandan person is inherently cleaner than the average right. Ghanaian. Right. It's because there is a clear policy and a clear plan for where they want to be. This year, they've already made it to top 30 in the World Bank ease of doing business. They are clear, they are serious. And there's, there's, there's an orientation towards saying, how do we, look, you go to Rwanda, one of my mates from Claire Kamanzi, very young, she's now CEO of the Rwandan Development Board. They are not focusing on, um, who, you know, this idea of you have to have gray hair to have impact. They are really focusing on who has merit, who is competent. Let's bring all the young people together. Let's make sure that we can actually come with a unified plan to transform the country. And every single year I go into I go and visit Kigali, you see a transformation. We can Visible. do that here. Visible, Visible. transformation. Right. We can do that here. But it's not going to happen with just it's not going to happen accidentally. It has to be deliberate. Right. There has to be a, even something as simple as the other time I was reading in the news that JJ was upset over the state of sanitation. As I mean cleanliness is next to godliness. Ghana is on the Gallup poll as the most religious country in the world. Let's come together as just a nation and say, even on this little issue of sanitation and environmental cleanliness, can't we, can't we handle that? One of our conversations we should be having as on this show is why is it so difficult to bring Ghanaians together on any issue? Because even sanitation, believe me, if you put it out there, it will be politically polarized. Even sanitation. Yeah. The day somebody can bring us together on one conversation, unified as a people, we'll be getting somewhere. Your closing thoughts, Comfort, in a minute. My closing thoughts, I would like to thank Sangu for coming to open the year for us. And I would like to say that I'm very grateful for the springboard, what, what we have to do for this year. And I'm very happy with the um, direction which we have started. I believe that um, as we continue in this journey and as we learn and share ideas from different, different angles, um, as, as, um, as, a, as an organization, as, an, as, an, as, a, as a nation, we will see some of that deliberateness, some of that, the, the, some of the ideas being being applied in various places, and we'll see a growth in different organisations. Thank you very much for 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 running the show for so many years, Albert. You've 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 really been a gem. And I want to say thank you on uh, behalf of of the organisation. I will sleep well today. <laughs> 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 All right, Sangu, your closing thoughts. My closing thoughts is, is this, Albert. I would like every Ghanaian who's, who's listening to this show to say that for 2019, let us ask ourselves and let us pledge to ourselves what can we do in our own little way every day to ensure that we build the Ghana we want for our children and our grandchildren. Because we have it. If you look at Malaysia... You look at Singapore, you look at all these other places, they did it. They don't have three heads. But it requires each and every single one of us to get up and say, we, we, are not, we can't wait for politicians and wait for our leaders. We have to be the change we want to see. And if individually we rise to this challenge, I believe we'll see a brighter future. One thing I can tell you as we wrap up is this, that even here on your virtual university, 
one of the commitments we are making is that every single week when we gather like this, there is somebody whose job it is to summarize the big learnings from today's hour so that that, that hour doesn't go waste. Mm. And those learnings made available on our social media platforms. We'll rehash them when we come back. And the, the learning will continue. Next week, we are talking about the digital revolution, opening our theme for the year as a topic. And we'll talk about how we arrived here. And very importantly, how to optimize your opportunities in a rapidly changing world. I want to say a big thank you to you, Sangudele, and to say a big thank you to the registrar. Next week, wherever you are, 7 p.m. Sunday, please join us. In the meantime, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember, you are blessed indeed.